Hi, I'm Peter Guess and I have a chemical condition and a medical disorder which I'll be explaining a little bit later. People know it as bipolar mood disorder or just shortly as bipolar. I've been asked to speak about uh, my experiences and uh, with bipolar as well as the signs uh, of bipolar in my life and some of the insights that I've come to. I'm going to start um, in actual fact just talking quickly about um, uh, very briefly who I am so that there's a context. I am a qualified social worker. I qualified in 1983 after four years of study. I qualified with, a, with very good marks. I cum laude my qualifications, which I will explain why that's important to our discussion a bit later. Um, and then from there on, I, from 83, I went into a bit of general practice as a social worker, but then I began to specialize in addiction treatment in an alcohol treatment center in Sanka in Bloemfontein from 1984 onwards. And uh, since then, I have been to work in numerous inpatient rehabilitation centers as well as outpatient uh, treatment facilities. Um, some in Cape Town, some in Valcom, in George, etc., different locations. So I've, I've developed a lot of experience in dealing with mental illness, not only addictions, but obviously all the related uh, comorbid and dual diagnostic uh, conditions. So I think I am the right person to be sharing this. Um, I think though the most important quality I have or thing that I bring to the table here is that I, I myself have developed um, a bipolar mood disorder which at the age of at the age of 30. I'm now 64 so it's been a period of 34 years of my life that that uh, bipolar has affected me. Now I want to actually start off with my my some of my experiences and insights first, um, which will lead into the symptoms. The first thing I'd like you to understand is that for the first 13 years of my life, I was in denial of my condition which is a prevalent symptom of many, many mental illnesses, including addictions and that kind of thing. People don't want it. I didn't want it. I didn't think I had it. I minimized everything. I could say that I was depressive or that I had battled with uh, stress, but I was not able to actually accept the label and the, the diagnostic of bipolar mood disorder for a number of conditions and a number of reasons. The one is that I was a myself a counsellor and, and, and doing clinical work and I didn't want to accept that this could have happened to me so in my mind I I actually turned the whole situation into a very bad experience for me because I started battling against something that I felt was all my fault that was inside of me uh, in the sense that it's something that, um, that, that I, I shouldn't have had but I've got and uh, and I don't want this thing, okay, because it's humiliating. It is um, exclusively 
humiliating and extravagant. It's shameful. And, and that's, those are the feelings that I had. And, and many people have shared the same thing, and that's one of the reasons why, or some of the reasons why, they deny that they have bipolar and they, they don't go for proper treatment or they don't um, get to the point of really accepting that they have what I started by saying and introducing myself as I have a chemical condition. It took me 13 years to get to the point of saying I have a chemical condition and a medical condition. It's not something about my fault. It wasn't my faulty thinking. It wasn't my personality. It was something very different. And that started helping me understand and getting to grips with the bipolar. Now I want to um, talk just very briefly and then move on to the signs and symptoms. I want to talk very briefly about what I feel didn't happen to me in those 13 years in terms of therapy and therapeutic intervention. I had a wonderful doctor. He had a great sense of humor. The psychiatrist, that was, he was mine, he brought us in as a family. He, he, he was actually amazing. But the one thing that didn't happen is he didn't educate me. He didn't provide me with psychoeducation to help me understand this beast, this thing that I was struggling about against. Now the problem was that I think he assumed that I accepted it. He, he assumed, and uh, although I was compliant at times with medication, in actual fact, I wasn't compliant with him. I hid from him what was really going on, how depressed I was. So I always put the, a good front uh, um, to him because I didn't want this condition. I wanted to be something different. I thought I'm going to be praying it away. I thought God is going to be healing me any moment now. I thought this, this, you know, this must go away out of my life. So I didn't understand this, this beast. And if I had understood it and accepted it, I would have started in proper treatment a long time before that. But this is a common experience. And as I say, it's for me one of the, the more silent, invisible signs that, that people battle with, signs and symptoms. Okay, I'm going to speak a little bit more about the signs and symptoms that, I, that, I, that I've experienced and that I have seen in others because I've attended many in, in all my years I've been to many groups now since since 19 since uh, year 2000 which was after the, the 13 years of denial I started my life started changing significantly I started going to go to groups uh, for bipolar I started getting educated I started reading up I started talking I started sharing what I the experiences I had I started um, working actively on, on what I had um, it was, and, and, and feeling a sense of complete relief, knowing that this is a medical condition. I also started complying with uh, the, medic, the medication that I went to. I went back to the doctor, and, um, or, 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 I went back to a facility that could help me. Okay, um, what are some of the signs and symptoms? I'm going to start with the depression one, which I think is easiest to understand. It's a most common illness, and, and remember that the old, the old terminology for bipolar condition is called manic depression. So on the bottom side is, is, is mania, and on the top side obviously is, is sorry, the bottom side is, is depression, um, the low mood, and then the upper mood is, is called mania.
is sometimes also the milder form of mania is also called hypomania. Hypo with, a, with, a, with an hypo. Right. Um, on the depression side, my experiences have been feeling sometimes just very numb. Disconnected from the world, the sense of helplessness, hopelessness. Um, and a very important one that was, because sometimes, I mean, sometimes I still, if I get a, a bad, I call it a dark, I go to a dark place, or I get hassled by the black dog of Winston Churchill, um, I get a sense of that despair, that hopelessness. Will I, will this ever change? Am I going to keep coming back here time and time and time again? Then on the practical side, my, um, my, My desire to eat uh, decreases. My desire to sleep increases. Um, I want to just sleep more. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I don't want to face the world. Um, I tend to isolate. I feel empty inside. I've never personally been suicidal. Um, other people experience suicidal ideation, lots of ideas of suicide. They, it moves on to, from the suicidal ideation onto suicidal plans, and then suicidal attempts uh, are, are the, the next sort of stages in that. However, <clears throat> I, have been, I have felt suicidal, but never having suicidal uh, intentions or, or um, plans. Now, what is the difference? For me, I just wanted the world to stop. When I get depressed, I wish I can just have the world stop and I could climb off. In other words, I just don't want this anymore. I, d I don't want what I've got. I just, it's enough for me. And, um, and as, as I say, it's part of despair. It's part of that sense of hopelessness. It's part of doing whatever, whatever I try to do and it's not working. The other, the other reality is, in terms of a, a symptoms, is to feel almost as if there's no meaning in life. And then, practically speaking as well, the, there's a decrease in libido or sexual drive. Now, you can see all of these have to do with, with less electricity or less energy in, in the body. And that's exactly what depression is all about. Changes in the, in the dopamine, uh, serotonin levels, and a depletion of your neurotransmitters, the little chemicals that produce and, and uh, that facilitate the energy moving in your body. So on the other side then, what is mania? Mania is, is really the flip side of that. When I'm manic, I have a huge amount of energy. I don't need to sleep. I, um, I don't need to eat much because I've got all the energy inside myself. I just have one or two meals. Sometimes I can go a whole day without actually eating or feeling that I'm hungry. I am over-optimistic. I've got lots of optimism. Um, I've got lots of ideas to do things when I've been in business and running my own business. Uh, I, I, I know that I'm going into a hypermanic zone when I started getting making risky decisions. And I, I, I just don't feel any risk. I feel adventure. I feel I can do these things. I can start 20 projects. And obviously later on when I come down, I can only complete uh, four or five of them. Uh, and then that deflates my, my energy again. Uh, it deflates, obviously, my, and my, my self-esteem.
The other component of mania is an inflated esteem, self-sense of esteem. This is also called invincibility. When I'm manic, fully manic, I feel so, so strong and invincible. Not, I don't have a, a, a delusion of grandeur. It's nothing of that. It's not psychotic. That's, psychosis is one of the signs of psychosis. Is delusion of grandeur. It's nothing that I'm not thinking I'm Christ or I'm Buddha or I'm a God or something like that. Although some people, and I've known some people with, with borderline, with, with bipolar, have actually gone into that zone. They become psychotic, depending on if they're not taking their medication and how much stress they're facing and how much, how much they are activating themselves. So, invincibility, I've noted down here, is a very important one. Then, obviously, I have high amount of libido, high, high, very high sex drive, uh, which has got me into trouble before. Um, and then I'm adventurous. I spoke about the risk-taking behavior that increases. Um, I drive the, my car faster. Uh, I do retail therapy. I buy a lot of things. I see them all as, as, as possibilities. I see the world as a world of possibilities. Um, and then obviously I have, I have, uh, I have a lot of, let's call it electricity in my brain. My brain is very busy. Just there's lots of, lots of thinking all the time. Not just the ideas, it's just my thoughts. And I go from the past to the present to the future. My brain is just very, very busy. Okay, I think that's, that's it for now in terms of um, signs and symptoms and a little bit of my experiences. What I want to focus on now is um, and move into is treatment. Now I've given, I've given a, a few points regarding treatment already. Um, the psychosocial education, which I felt is important. Um, I've told you that I complied with medication, um, which is critical. That, that is the top, that's number one for the bipolar. If they don't get to comply with their medication and they fight with the doctors or they just don't, they just take what they want to, when they want to, they're, they, they're going to progressively get worse and worse and worse. There are a few things that I help, that have helped me to remember uh, that should be in my understanding of bipolar that helps me understand the treatment that I need and that other people need. The one is that bipolar is a, a life-threatening condition. I've been at risk even when I'm very manic because I can drive like a crazy man and I've had one very bad, two serious accidents that could have, could have gone really wrong because I'm driving so fast. Uh, the one accident almost wiped out a couple to other people in their car. So it's life-threatening not only for me, but for other people. Um, some people just think, well, depression is life-threatening. And obviously life depression is. But manic mania is as well. Then, um, bipolar is something that I have accepted I cannot control. I can manage it, but I cannot control it. It's very, very different things, and I'm not going to go into the detail of that. When I speak about management, I'm talking about having a life management plan and doing the things that I'm going to be mentioning here and putting that into a plan and making sure that I live by that plan. The third thing is that bipolar 
I cannot cure it. Um, and that was my battle for the 13 years. I was hoping that there would be a cure. Praying, going to people for, for all kinds of things, um, doing my, my work. Uh, I did my journaling still, which I started in my, about when I was 13, 14. And I thought that I could, I could cure it or it would be cured. And the important thing, it's not curable. It's not curable. Once you have it, you've got it for life. And that's a very difficult reality for someone with bipolar to accept. The fourth point is, um, is, a very, is actually a very empathetic point. It says, I did not cause it. I did not cause, I, I've maybe created a lot of problems, or I made some bad decisions that got me here, in my case. I made some, a mixture of good and bad decisions in terms of managing my stress. And I thought I was pretty invincible before I developed the, the, the bipolar. In other words, I was confident, I, was, I felt strong in my life, I'd come through, uh, you know, varsity, um, and, and I, was, I, was, I got, through, uh, got all those marks despite the fact that I was working half days. Um, so in actual fact, I did it superbly well. And, and that made me sort of feel a little bit invincible in life and made me, and I made some stressful, stressful decisions which led up to my bipolar. But ultimately, I did not cause it because it is, um, it's based in your, in your, uh, as a chemical condition um, it, is, it is something that's hereditary and that one has a predisposition to. Then the point five is that it's, it's, it's a chronic condition. In other words, if I've got it, I've got it for life. It's going to stay with me, but it's, it's always present, which is why I have to take medication. I don't wait for it to, myself to get acute uh, depression or acute mania or manic episode again. I have to stay on the medication. This is the same, it's exactly the same as sugar diabetes. It's the same as blood, uh, um, um, as heart disease. Uh, it's the same as many other conditions that are chronic. You need to start taking medication and stick with the, the plan. Then point six is very important for me. Bipolar is a, com is a progressive condition and it is, it it is progressive, in other words, it's going down and down in terms of its signs and, and impact on your life, which is another component of, 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 of bipolar, is its huge impact on the lives of people around you. But um, it's progressive if you don't get treatment, if you don't get the proper treatment and stay with the proper treatment. I think just a few other things in terms of therapy, if I quickly talk about the therapeutic process. I've mentioned a number already. Compliance is number one. Uh, Psycho-education, psychosocial education. The one I haven't mentioned that I told you I went, started going to when I had the breakthrough and acceptance of my bipolar, and that is I started going to a group. And I've not stopped... I've not stopped. It's now 34 years and every week I've made sure that I've gone to a group. I've either taken on, at the moment I'm leading a group, I've been leading a group now for, for more than 10, 12 years. I've helped other people start up groups. I've been to these groups. I, 
They are my ongoing education. They are my, they're my support. They are a place where I can remind myself that I have the condition I've been talking about, that I'm always going to be at risk to a relapse into depression or a relapse into mania or just generally have a mixed state, which is another thing, or, or to rapid cycle. Those are all other features which I'm not going to be talking about now. I've, lastly then, I've mentioned the importance of a life plan or a management plan. I need structure. Every person that has bipolar in particular needs structure. When they sleep, when they get up, that, the exercise you do, um, making sure that you've got friends, you've got social life, you've got some entertainment that you, for example, in my, my case, I have, virtually every night I have ritual, I have my meal, I do a little bit of work, I climb into bed with my popcorn and I watch my Netflix. I, that is my routine and routines are what keep me structured, they keep me alive and I know I need to go, I, I, I have a look that I, I need to go to bed before 12 so that I don't, um, I don't deprive myself of sleep. Sleep deprivation is one of the things, for example, that is a trigger for, for borderline. Uh, sorry, for, I get, keep, keep getting it mixed up. For, for bipolar. Okay, I think that's drawing it to a close. Um, thank you for, for listening and keep well.